Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to this week's Don't Miss This episode. I was going to say episode. Is it an episode? It's an episode. All right. All of a sudden, we became uh, Full House. Uh, (laughs) That was a show from 30,000 years ago. Um, Okay, before we jump into our Book of Mormon lesson today, we stumbled upon something that we thought y'all might want to know about. Um, Right now, at the sacred sites of church history, so... Um, sacred Grove, I love Joseph when they're Smith called Home. the sacred sites. I, are they? they I feel like they that? are. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I want them to be called that because I think they are. Um, it is cool to call them the sacred sites because whenever there's a normal place that's touched by the finger of God, that's when it becomes sacred. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, Just we'll, like we'll call them that from okay. now on. Um, remember, it was Joseph Smith's backyard. <laughs> yes. it, became, yes. it became the sacred grove. All right, so... All those places, Priesthood Restoration, um, Carthage, Kirtland. Uh, Kirtland, Temple Square even, they have the sister missionaries who are still there and they will do virtual tours for your family. So you sign up for, the links are all in the newsletter and you sign up for a time slot, you make an appointment and they will walk through it with the camera yes, and they'll teach you. Yes, all through the houses, and, yeah. all through the places, you get to go in the grove. Yeah, and it's interactive, so they'll ask, you can ask questions, you can, anyways, super, super rad, especially for those of you who might not get a chance to go there, or maybe you're planning in the future and it's just neat to kind of get excited for it, see it now, but um, really seems like a really, really neat opportunity to be able to do that. It's just one step above seeing like a picture or a video of it because yeah. the sister missionaries are actually walking you through. And they're through. so cute, and they do such a good job. So. We're going to link to as many as we can in the newsletter this week. They told us um, Sundays fill up super fast, but they love when you sign up for a weeknight. So if there's just a night that it sounds fun to gather and do that, they'll be so happy. Yeah, and they won't have to just sit at their house. Win, win, win <laughs> for everybody. So um, check the newsletter for those links. We think you'll really love them. Okay, Helaman 7 through 12 are the chapters that we are in today. And these are... This is the Wild West. That's what is about to happen, right? You're just about to enter into, honestly, the lawlessness. Like, it's just gross. Like, the chapters are, are super, super gross. You just but, feel everything is falling apart before yeah, you your really eyes. So you just watch it, and you're like, what is going to happen next? We so, don't know. Really? This might not take a lot of, like, effort to try and apply it into your life. Because are there not those times where you're like, my whole life... <laughs> It's yes. falling apart. It's a disaster. All so you just have to say is 2020. In, yeah, that's it. You're in that. This is the 2020 chapter. Sometimes my life is 2020. I think that might become a phrase. Like, yes. what if in like 15 years from now, you're just like, my life is so 2020 right now. <laughs> and people know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. We're just like the killer bats. Or I guess, wait, there was something killer. Bees. Bees. Hornets. And then the bats <laughs> who made the COVID or whatever. Oh, but we all don't know the things. Right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This um, chapter is going to make you think of killer bats. We one of the things we love about this is it's watching everything that leads up to the first coming of Jesus Christ on the American continent. 
and you watch everything that's happening and you'll notice if you're watching for it, it looks a lot like our time today. And I think when you read the signs of the times, sometimes you look at them and you think, well, I don't know what that's gonna look like and I don't know what that's gonna look like. But when you get into Helaman and the beginning of third Nephi, it's so easy to be like, oh, that's what that would look like in a real life situation, in a country, in a um, nation, in a family. This is maybe how it would look. And it's interesting to watch not just what the signs are or what, how the wickedness plays out, but also what do the righteous do in the midst of all of that wicked time to stay faithful and um, how God responds. Yeah, because you really see, um, it's just interesting to think about like when mo- a majority of the people are using their agency to rebel and turn against God, it's interesting to see like what would he do in a circumstance in a situation like that. And I think you will, I, I just think some of it is um, super thrilling and you really get to know the character of God when you see how he responds um, to such a rebellious majority mm. really is, yeah. is what you, you see. Because you will want to throw your hands up by verse 2 and just be like, <laughs> okay, well, burn them. Um, so it's nice to see... Um, you really get to see the character of God, interestingly enough, as you look through this. So we'll focus on some of those. We'll get out of the way for a oh, second yep. so you can see this board for those who want to take a screenshot of that. Okay, um, let's start just at the beginning of chapter 7 and talk about what does Nephi's world look like. Remember, this is the Nephi who just got out of jail with his brother and that really, really interesting episode that's just like... Um, with the fire that comes and the big conversion that happens there. This is that same Nephi and uh, you get a description of, man, bless his heart. What's it, what's it like to be the voice, the voice of God, the voice person, what do you say? Spokesperson for for God God in such a wild time. So we have verses four through five up there to kind of give you a description, although you can see it all throughout. Yeah. You know, what life is like. It's so interesting because this is a great place to show. We just want you to listen. This is what the government was like then. But this is the when you start reading that you're like, oh, this sounds a little bit familiar when you look over, you know, the past years of our own government situation. That That's when you start saying, okay, wait a minute. What's happening here that might be happening here as well? And what can we learn from it? This is what it says, seeing the people in a state of such awful wickedness and those Gadiant and robbers filling the judgment seats, having usurped the power and authority of the land, laying aside the commandments of God and not in the least a right before him, doing no justice unto the children of men. Which is crazy because like that phrase right there, you know, you know that phrase like, oh, that's a face only a mother could love, you know, <laughs> or whatever. But sometimes you're just like, what if what if your description was not in the least yeah, right? I know. You know, like zero percent. Yes. Like we can't find, you were always like, let's find the good in that person. It's like, what happens if like, <laughs> you can't? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it says this, condemning the righteous because of their righteousness, letting the guilty and the wicked go unpunished because of their money. And moreover, to be held in office at the head of government to rule and do according to their wills, that they might get gain and glory of the world. And moreover, that they might the more easily commit adultery and steal and kill and do according to their wants. Now this great iniquity had come upon the Nephites in the space of not many years. Which is so interesting because we're watching that, like we talked about last week, that pride cycle. It just keeps coming around and around. 
And um, you start seeing it not just in the people anymore, but also in all of government now has been affected. Yeah, and why wouldn't you? Because it's reflective of the people. I mean, they've got a government system that's set up that it's just like naturally supposed to be reflective of the will of the people. And so when you see that as your head, you're kind of you're left thinking like, What's well, the this is the vo- yeah. What's yeah. the majority like voice even yeah. even speaking here? And Nephi is just beside himself, you know, about this because he's just like, wait, these are. I, I can't imagine him not even thinking like I'm. I'm failing, you know, like <laughs> I'm not. I'm not doing what is right. In fact, he goes and he gets up on his garden tower. Which let's just stop for a second and say, should everybody build a garden tower? Yes, I know this you is one know, of my I- favorite <laughs> visuals of all of human is this little. Garden tower. Except you wonder where it is because everyone hears his prayers. Yes. <laughs> it's like right by this highway. It's not necessarily a little secret grove that he has, but he's got a garden tower. But I love the thought of we've talked. I mean, we've talked about this before about finding a place where you can really pour out, you know, in in prayer. And he this is a lament, you know, where he is just um, sees everybody and he and he actually uses. Yeah, and it's this right th- by. It's, it tells us it's in his garden, but it's the thoroughway yeah, to the a- market <laughs> that everybody who's going to the market is passing by. So he's having this one-on-one, on one, he thinks. Yeah, <laughs> and everyone who's walking by starts hearing what's happening. And I, this is this just reminded me of this. Um, uh, one time Elder Bednar came and uh, was teaching this group that we are teaching how to ask inspired questions. You know he likes to do that if you've ever been in a, mm-hmm. in a meeting with him. He likes to say, ask a question that that person is uniquely qualified to answer, you know. And I won't forget that this w- one person in the room asked Elder Bednar, um, what have you learned about prayer by listening to a prophet of God pray? And I was like, well, I mean, that's something only like a small amount of people actually get to hear. But it's neat to think that we get a little peek into this is a this is a prayer of a prophet mm. in his garden, you know. Even though it says like he was right by the, the highway, it wasn't intended to be. And this is what you would see perhaps behind closed doors, you know, with um, with a prophet. And he says, it's so sad in seven. I, I wish I'd lived <laughs> with the first Nephi, who I'm named after, you know, and I think it's funny that he kind of says the people were so easy to be entreated back then. And I was like, do you remember that you whole family the- that split in half? <laughs> I was like, maybe you forgot the, you know, the, the part about that. He says that they were quick to do iniquity, but this line's so interesting. So he goes through and he is just pouring out. They've forgotten God in the day of their deliverance, the sorrow, but um, where's that one where he says, in verse oh, nine, the, yeah, that's I it. Lo- this line is so good. It's really, really awesome where he says, but behold, I'm consigned that these are my days. And I think that's such a beautiful realization for him that he shifts from, oh, it would have been nice. It would have been nice. It would have been nice to like, okay, but these are my days. And almost, don't you almost hear the echo in that of him saying like, so what am I going to do with yeah, it? It's these that, are mine. It's that Esther call. Um but he he was sent for such a time as this, mm-hmm. and that's what he had to rise up to. And each of us, um, the same is true for each of us. This is these are our days. This is our time. And what do you do in a time like that? And it's neat that what you will watch him do, which is reflective of the God he worships, is like these are my days, and they are not ideal. But I will not give up. 
you know? Like, yeah. he doesn't, like, just wash his hands yeah. of everything going on. It's just like, I'm going to do something about it. Well, it just so happens, and mm-hmm. it's neat It's neat to just fill out and think about this lament and just to wonder if you've ever had a prayer like that before. Have you ever, like, just poured out with everything that you felt like you were carrying on your shoulders? And um, how neat to end that prayer with those lines, like, well, mm-hmm. these are my days. So... What will I do? What will I do? Mm-hmm. Well, he's praying out loud on the garden, and it creates a stir in a scene. And after he says amen, um, he looks up, and there is just this crowd that's gathered, <laughs> you know, down below. And, and they're all like, some of them are like, oh, what? he's sad. You know, like they, they are like shocked by the fact that he is really just pouring out his heart here. And, and there's also some people in that crowd who have um, some bad intentions. You'll find out in a second. But... There's all these people and they are wondering, wait, what is it? What are you, what are you so sad about? And he tells them, he's like, I'm going to tell you why I'm sad. It's because you have forgotten God in the very day of your deliverance. That look at, look at the city, look at our people, look at who we're choosing, look at what we're becoming. And for some of them, I think it's rad that some of them Where's that verse where they're like, he's a good man. You know, no, wait, someone... don't go there yet because you love a couple of these other ones. I love in um, Helaman 7 because he doesn't hold back. He's like, let me tell you what your problem is. And I love when he says this. How could you, verse, yeah, in, si- in 16, how could you have given way to the enticing of him who is seeking to hurl away your souls down to everlasting misery? Like he just... Why would you have picked him? (laughs) This is what you've chosen. He tells everyone he's going to hurl you um, into everlasting misery. That's your choice right now. Um, (laughs) I just love that he tells them all these things and and tells them this is what you need to do. This is what you're choosing, murder and plunder and stealing and bearing false witness. And you've got to choose um, to follow God. Somehow you've forgotten God is what he tells them. Yeah, and where's that one line is like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Back in 15, where he's like, you gathered together and are marveling? You, well, you Let me give you something else to marvel about. Yes. How about the fact that the devil has complete control of your heart? Like, that ought to shock you. Instead of seeing a man praying on his garden tower. Mm. If you thought that was shocking, let's really <laughs> talk about what's shocking here. Yes. Um, so it's so interesting because they're all there talking and um, in, in chapter 8 is where you were going to go. The judges who were, all belong to the band of Gadiot and robbers come together. And they're like, what are we going to do about this guy? Because he's, he's going to cause yeah, yeah. trouble for us. And um, they were nervous. Which is interesting because it doesn't seem like they're so worried. Oh, were you about to say what they're nervous about? Yeah, but they go, go Oh, no, no, no. You, you can say. go. Sorry. I was like, it just clicked in me that that's what you're saying. So yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. They, they're just so nervous that um, on one hand, there's everybody who's like them. So they're like, you, all of these people hate that he thinks Satan has control over us. But there is this other group of people who we're not sure what they'll do if we if we do something. So there's just this little bit of unrest, which I love that he points out because I love knowing in the midst of all the wickedness, somewhere sprinkled through is goodness yeah there is goodness within there Um, and courage with the goodness you know because when goodness meets courage that's when things start to move in the right direction you know because there are people willing to call out and you're gonna watch both up until the very day when jesus shows up you're gonna watch both of these groups just fight against this especially Um, when you think man 
when the current of the day, you know, really is headed one direction. It's just awesome to think that there are people willing to swim yes. upstream. Which is so important in our day. Yeah. In our time. Who's going to, you know, like that phrase where someone's like, well, sometimes I just like to go with the flow. Well, in case you forgot, um, flows go down. <laughs> you know, so sometimes <laughs> yeah. it might not be a good idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. To go with the flow of things. Um, it's so interesting because Nephi, he really just laid everything out logically of what was going on, which did not make them look fantastic. And they were angry. It tells us in verse four, because he spoke plainly concerning their secret works of darkness. Um, so that's what has them all stirred up. And so they start saying to the people, mm. why are you letting this man talk about us like this? And why are you letting these, um, why are you letting him say this about you and about our country and about what's happening in our government? Why are you letting somebody talk like this about us? And um, I love when they're like in verse six, look, we are powerful and our cities are great and our enemies can't have any power over us. So it's, it's fine if, you know, just all this wickedness is fine. And what we're doing is fine. We're prospering. Um, the problem is him. It's not us. And um, they did stir up the people to anger, it says in verse 7, against Nephi and raise contentions among them. But then you love, here's going to be this little voice. And we love this line so much that did cry out and said, let this man alone, for he is a good man. And I just love the thought of that little, that small group of people who is going to be with the prophet until the very end um, that realizes he's a good man. And there are things that he's saying that are right and they need to listen to. And they're worried about the judgments that are about to come. Which yeah, is, it's, it's cool that they, and, and you'll see throughout the rest of this that like um, God will keep calling out. And it's nice that every once in a while there are people who like stop and look within, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and take that minute for introspection. And I think that is going to be the difference between a lot of these people are the ones who stop and think, wait a second, hold on. He's a good man, right? And, yeah. and I think he's right, you know, yeah. like those moments are so important. And I think it might be good to just talk about right now when you look at what is about to come, um, and especially as you look at the role God is going to play in what's about to come, that it's interesting to see how and why trials maybe come upon us. And we don't have a list of all the reasons why trials come, but there are three that kind of you look at and you're like, yeah, that I can see all three of those happening in my life. And one is just trials that come because we chose to come to mortality. It's just part of living in a mortal experience. Um, that is death and sickness and accidents and, and all of those things that happen. Another um, type of trial are the trials that come to us because of the choices of someone else, because of agency allows trials to come into our life. And the third one that we don't spend a lot of time recognizing are the trials we actually bring upon ourselves. Um, and we see that all the way through scripture. You're going to see it clear back with Moses and the Exodus, um, that the Egyptians, because of turning away from God um, and, and everything that happened there and the wickedness there, are going to experience a series of great trials because of their own choices. And sometimes that's what happens. And so when Nephi's talking about the judgments that are going to come upon them, 
those are judgments that are going to come because of their own choices. It's um, a consequence they bring upon themselves because yeah. of choice. And I think maybe a fourth one is ones that like God calls you to I, a little bit because, or maybe a lot bit because Nephi was called, you know, to this. And, and most of the things he's sad about are, are because he's just like, oh, I, I, why do I have to be the leader, yeah. you know, in a, in a time like this? Like, I wish I'd been a leader in another time. And a lot of his heartache is because he's actually trying to make a difference and is being, and God called him to yes. that. You know, it's like. And so he has to carry that right burden on, on And his I just shoulders. sometimes think of God saying to him when Nephi's like, I, I, I just wanted to be a grocery man <laughs> or something, you know? And yeah. I just think of God saying to him like, yeah, right. I know your heart. If you were the grocery man, you would have been preaching from the pear aisle. So it's just fine that yes. you're the prophet, you know, yeah. because that was just your nature anyways. Yeah. Um, okay. So the let's judgments talk about, that yeah. are going to come upon. And then we're going to now start watching some of those things play out. And some of them are going to come because of agency. Like the one we see right now, there is going to be a choice made that results in the death of someone. And that's going to play out. And that's what Nephi starts talking about. He's like, let me tell you what's happening right now. What what does he say? Where it's even oh, at your doors yeah, or something. Right at this very second, your um, your chief judge has been murdered. Where is it? Oh, um, but do you know what? It's in eight. Yeah, I think it's toward the end of it. Okay. I'll find it while you talk about whatever. Okay, I was going to say this. As he's talking to them, I think this is really neat because one of the things they say to him is... Um, why would you have so much power to know all of these things and to know all these judgments? And he gives a list of like other prophets who God has used in the past, you know, to, to be able to give his will or, his, you know, his mind and his heart to the people. And I love this verse in 11 where he just says, um, Have you not read that God gave power unto one man, even Moses, to smite upon the waters of the Red Sea? And he, and he tells that story. Um, and if God gave unto man such power, um, then why not me? Um, in verse 12. And I love thinking about that question mm. of somebody saying, why not me? If God has called people in the past to do these miraculous things and to use them for great works, then why not me? And it might not be in the role of, you know, Prophet. prophetic leadership, mm -hmm. but that's a question that any of us could ask about ourselves. You know, like if we look at a situation and we're like, someone needs to step up, a miracle needs to be called down from heaven. Why not me? Why, why could God not Just use so someone like me? Interesting, because Greg got um, set apart for a calling several years ago. And in the setting apart, it asked almost that identical um, question, which was, if you don't, who will? Hmm. Um, and it's that, that same type of thing of like, it's that rising up into what does God need from each of us right now? Yeah, and, and don't let the bigness of the hurdle that's such bad English, like prevent you from like, yeah. you know, why not? Yeah. And what if it in. is you, you know? Yeah. So at the end of chapter eight, it's in verse 26. He says to them, yea, even at this time you are ripening because of your murders and your fornication and your wickedness. Yea, behold, it is now even at your doors. Yep. Yep. <laughs> he says to them, go to the judgment seat right now. And this is what you're going to find. Your judge is murdered and he's lying in his own blood. And he's been murdered by his brother who wants to sit in the judgment seat. And behold, they both belong to your secret band. I love that he's like, this is your problem right now. <laughs> your secret band. And um, so they pick five people in chapter 9. Now, 
When you read chapter nine, one of my favorite things to do when I read chapter nine is just to watch for that number five all the way through the chapter because you're going to see some great one-liners concerning these five men. And we put the phrase up here, be the five, which might puzzle you at first when you see them yes. initially. Yes. But we want you to keep watching their story yep. as what it goes happens? through. Because it's so awesome because they leave and they go, they, they assign five men. They say, you go and see what's happening. And they go running and they get there. And sure enough, they look and they um, see in verse six, the judge had been murdered and had been stabbed by his brother. And he, the brother fled and the servants ran and everyone gathered together. And um, the, before everyone came, those five men, when they walked in and saw that it really had happened, they were so astonished that Nephi was right on the money. Like it really had happened right before they got there that they fall to the ground astonished. So when all the people gather, who do you think they think murdered the judge? And they weren't at the garden meeting or the, you know, the conversation that took place. Um, they weren't with that group that had been assembled together when all this was happening. And um, so they think it's those five men. So they take the five men and they put them in prison. So those five guys go to prison. And then it tells us in verse 11, the judges who were at the garden of Nephi and heard his words gathered together. They all come for the burial, which who even knows how many days that was. But these five guys, meanwhile... Still in jail, in prison. on um, death row. On death row. And um, they say to the people when they get there, hey, what happened to those five guys we sent to see what happened? And who loves that they like, forgot <laughs> they about forget them. about them. They got all worked up in the burial and everything that was going to happen. And the people there are like, we don't know what five guys you're talking about. But interestingly enough, there were five guys there when we saw that he had been murdered and there in jail. So they go get the five guys out of jail because it ends up they were the five that were sent. And um, that when they come and they talk, they say, as for the murder of this man in verse 15, we don't know who did it. Only this much we know. We ran and came according as you told us to. And behold, he was dead according to the words of Nephi. Like exactly what Nephi said was going to happen had happened. And... Um, so they have this whole conversation, and it's so interesting. Do you want to say anything about it before we go to 39? Well, yeah. One of the things I like is you start seeing them a little bit differently in verse 18. One of the phrases I love so much in there is they did contend with the judges one by one. Mm. That Every single one of them had something to say and were anxious to say something about it. You know, yeah, it's like, so good. it's neat that it's just like, it was this group of five, but each of them had something to contribute, and each of them had, had something to say. And then the other thing I was going to say is, it's interesting. What verse were you reading where they just said, according to your desires? Oh, yeah. 15, we ran and did according to your desires, talking to the judge. But then in 37, they said, um, it came to pass that they went and did even according as Nephi had said mm. unto them. And I think it's interesting that we went before because you asked us to, but now we've traded teams. <laughs> you know, now we yes. will do um, yeah. whatever Nephi asked us to do. And it's so awesome because um, it tells us in verse 39, I love this part. And there were some of the Nephites who believed on the words of Nephi. Um, just because Nephi had said that was going to happen. And they, when it happened, were like, yep, he is a prophet. But I love this. And there were some also who believed because of the testimony of the five. For they had been converted while they were in prison. And there's so much about that I love. I love, first of all, the fact that that 
moment when you think they had been forgotten and left in that prison was the moment of great conversion for them. Yeah. And the same will be true for us as we go through these wicked times is there, there might be times when we feel like we've been forgotten or falsely accused. Yeah. Falsely accused for, for standing up for something that we know is right. And that conversion process that happened. But I love also, there were some who believed because of the testimony of the five, because I think sometimes there is power in watching someone come around to the truth because you see yourself in them and you think if, if they could do it and they could believe, then maybe I could too. And I love the thought of the power of those those people who are coming into the church, the converts, the people who have left for a time and returned, there is such power in those testimonies. And, and we need to remember that, the power you have to convert and and to bring others to the team. Yeah, and I mean, you, I think if you like gathered up the stories statistically, I really think right now you would find more people coming into Christ because of the five than you are because of the prophet. Like, I just don't think there's a lot of people turning on general conference or just plopping down and picking up an enzyme, although I'm not discounting that ministry at all, particularly their one-on-one ministry when Mm -hmm. they go out into the world. But there is so much power in, in a, in the five, you know, and it doesn't sound like somebody that you would like, like the story doesn't sound good. If you came home, you're like, mom, I just believe. And she's like, why? And I was like, Remember those guys on death row? <laughs> like they told me and they have like, you know, it's just kind of like, like, should you yeah. ask a pastor, you know, or something like that instead of ex-convicts? Um, it's just neat that that they're, they're, the, the reality of it, the grit yeah. of their testimony has such moving yeah. power. And the power of um, Christ working in them and the fact that you can see it. Yes. Um, happening there. It's just something powerful about that. And we love, um, we left you a box right there that just says be the five, because there is something powerful about an everyday average person testifying about the Lord working in your life. And um, how often are you that? How often do you take the time to say, this is where I saw the Lord working in my life in the past four days, that I saw it. This is what happened for me. Um, I wish we had more conversations like that. Well, I was just going to say, like, if I had a dream, it would be that, like, uh, that's what I'd love to hear even in, in sacrament meeting sermons, you know? Like, sometimes it's great to hear the recitation of a conference talk. Mm. And by sometimes, I mean hardly ever, <laughs> you know? Just like what someone else has said. Let's hear the words from the tower. But what about your own experience? Tell us about the days you were forgotten and how your heart was changed. Tell us about the just the the the, th- the miracles, the change, the thrill, just the real mm-hmm. story. I just I, I wish 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 for more of that to see God working and moving in, in unexpected the lives of his sometimes unexpected places yeah. too. Yeah. You know, and I think if it became more a part of our conversation, we might actually recognize it happening more um, it, within our stories. The fact that he really is going to meet us where we are, as we are. And if we would share that, then someone else might be able to look back and say, oh, I wonder if that's what happened to me on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Is that same thing. Um, it's just powerful to think about language like that. Yeah, it's just, I, I'm even thinking about um, Jenny and I just had a great experience this last week, you know. And uh, we sat down on Sunday and and I was, and to hear Jenny just talk about 
what she felt and experienced this last week was one of the sweetest like mm. home churches you know that we've had like it was just neat to like hear like let me tell you where my road life intersected with god mm. is you know and let me just share that experience and it just was sincere and powerful and and just sweet so i mean it just doesn't it just and she wasn't in jail like you know like it just was <laughs> Any kind of experience. That's the thing. Yeah. Where did I meet God? Where did he come into my story? And those testimonies are Yeah, and who can you share so it with? Powerful. Um so it com- it comes to pass. <laughs> All of a sudden you were a living <laughs> book of Mormon. <laughs> chapter ten. And there's this big division of the people. Some believe, some don't believe, and all of a sudden Nephi is left just standing there completely by himself. And then I love that in verse two, he's like, I guess I'll go home. <laughs> it was like, it's funny that he was like the center of attention. He seriously was the quarterback for a second and the game ended. It was like, well, see ya. <laughs> I guess I'll go home. So he's going to go home. And it tells us, we want you to watch in verse two and verse three for the word that is repeated three times right there because we think it's so important we actually left you a little spot in a cloud to write the word um you see it once in two you see it twice in three um he was going towards his own house pondering upon the things which the lord had shown him and then it tells us it came to pass as he was thus pondering and he was cast down because of the wickedness and the secret works of darkness and the plunderings and the iniquities it came to pass as he was thus pondering in his heart, behold, a voice came unto him saying, and I just love the lesson we're taught right there, that those pondering moments can be so powerful in opening up um, the invitation President Nelson gave us to hear him. Mm-hmm. Um, just taking a few minutes to ponder. Yeah, and I think it's great to have it be uh, like scheduled. I think like time scheduled meditation and devotional moments are awesome, but also this seems to be a spontaneous mm-hmm. one that he was like, oh, um, my car broke down and now I have to walk home, <laughs> you know? And, and then he used it to like just think of yeah. the things God showed him, to think of just everything that was, was going on. And this actually, this next section where we left a box in here called The Blessing, God gives him, I think, one of the most radical mm-hmm. like thrilling blessings that you find anywhere in the entire book of mormon and it's interesting to me that it happens on a roadway home in the middle of this government scandal in gotham city like that is where they live <laughs> you know it's honestly just this like in the muck of life like he, there's no resolution to any of the problems yet or anything and the people well, are and still they keep just as worse. bad and but in the middle of all of that, there is this um, blessing that God gives to Nephi that you just cannot find the likes of mm. very many spots in Scripture. And he tells him, I'm giving you this because of the unweariness in which you've declared my word, that you have sought my will over your own life. It is a blessing of complete and total trust. That is what this is. And now kind of hands Pharaoh's ring over to Nephi and says, if you speak it, it will happen. Because I know you would never speak anything contrary. Um, and my favorite line, where is it? Where he says, I will bless thee forever. Yeah, it's in five. Oh. It's so good. I'll bless you forever. And I will make you mighty in word and deed, in faith and in works, that all things will be done according 
uh, to your will. Whatever you bind on earth to be bound in heaven. This, those kind of words um, lead you to believe that he was given the sealing power here um, in, mm-hmm. in, its, in its fullness. In the fullness, not like to seal couples, you know, but in its fullness, the sealing power. And um, whew, it's just wild that it's just like in the middle of all of this, there is this like diamond. And you that love happens. that he follows it up with this line. I don't know why I love these lines so much, but they're in scripture everywhere if you start looking for them. And it's almost like a signed agreement, um, except for God's in charge of the full agreement. And he just says this, Behold, you are Nephi, and I am God. And that's like the signature on this blessing that is that he's going to explain to him now. But I just love, I love when he's like, I see you, and you see me right now. And I know who you are and what you're going to do. And you know who I am and what I'm going to do. And I think that's so powerful. Yeah, and powerful that God's going to hand the reins over to him. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's like usually it's just like God will do what he will do. But instead he's just like, you now think like I do. Mm-hmm. Like that, this is the kind of, and it makes you think um, those who hold the sealing keys on the earth today, the kind of trust that God has in them to bestow upon them such a, yeah, you know, such a gift, such a privilege, such a tr- you know, say, trust, a uh, weight, yeah, a responsibility, or, yeah, or that <laughs> no. too, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, it just makes you think differently about those who hold that uh, sealing power, and um, he um, he'll then use it, you know, mm-hmm. um, in the next part. Nephi says, "Will you bring a famine <laughs> upon the land?" You know, because they're not listening and they're destroying each other. So maybe a famine is is going to work. And it's we have this list over here about how God is calling out to these people. Um, and just kind of some of the different ways that you see inside these chapters that he's calling out to them. Because one of them is this famine, you know, where he just says uh, one of the ways he's going to reach them is, you know, he's like, well, if you won't listen to Nephi on the Garden Tower, then I bet you'll like start listening once the marketplaces are empty and have nothing in them. You know, there's yep. something about that yes, kind of that trial just, that just makes you... It's bigger than what can be handled here on earth, which makes you have to um, look, up. look up. And I think that's so interesting. These next two um, chapters, both 11 and 12, I would call signs of the times chapters. You want to go through here and you'll you'll hear familiar language to our signs of the times, but you'll watch them played out. Um, there's been several times when I've read through these and thought, oh, I see that. I see that happening right now um, in our world, particularly um, in the one when all of a sudden all their money starts disappearing and they think they've put it in a place that's safe and then instead it becomes slippery and it's no one can hold on to it and nobody knows what is happening. They go to bed one night and the next morning they've lost all Everything. of this money overnight. And I remember reading this years ago and thinking, well, how would that happen? Like, I can't imagine that would ever happen. And then remember the recession in 2008 when that same thing happened. We all went to bed and everything was fine and we woke up the next morning and within the stock markets and everything that was happening, it just was gone in that moment. And you can see really how slippery um, earth is, you know? And even with the famines, with the, you just think about it even with um, COVID and watching the grocery stores in those first three weeks while that was happening, you can see how unbalanced things can become 
really fast. Yeah. Um, and you, you watch that play out here, but we experience that in our own life and that, that pull that this is bigger than we are. This is bigger than our government can fix. This is bigger than the world can fix. That all of a sudden you're like, there's only one person who can actually solve this for us. And, and maybe that's when hearts turn back again to God. Yeah, it's interesting to me that if you look at this list and you look up those verses that are here and see the different ways that he does it, that some of them are miracles and some of them are havoc, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just yeah, like a balance. Yeah, and, and they are both different ways that God calls out that some people hear his voice better in times of plenty and they look around and they're like, I am overwhelmed mm-hmm. with the goodness of God. And some people hear his voice better in times of famine where they're just like, they have nowhere else to turn. And it's just, yeah, it's neat that God is calling out to all different people in, in different ways And he wants these. to reach everybody. Yeah, because all yeah. the signs of the times really are signs of him. Like every single one of them is is for that, that purpose. You know, I, I uh, um, in verse, in chapter 12, verse six, like I love this verse where he's talking about the people don't desire the Lord their God who created them who should rule and reign over them, notwithstanding his great goodness and his mercy towards them, they set his counsels at naught. Mm. That his will is good and he has mercy to spare for them. And that is why he will sometimes take away so that we will turn towards him. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. He will take away so that we can receive more. Yeah. It's so good. Um, and I think that goes into this one verse that I love, Helaman 12, 24. Because at the end, um, what God promises us isn't everything taken away. It's a fullness. That's the promise of God. And that's the reason why he keeps reaching out to us and reaching out. Because he knows what happens at the end and it's good. What happens at the end is good. And I love when he says, May God grant in his great fullness that men might be brought unto repentance and good works. However that's going to happen. That whether it's the famine or wh- whether it's the blessings or whether it's the vo- word of the five or whether it's the voice of the prophet, that that somehow they're going to be brought under repentance and good works. And then I love this line that they might be restored. And there is something about that word restored when you combine it with the word fullness that has so much promise behind it that that he's talking about a restoration and, and restorations are messy. We've talked about that before, but one that is going to lead to a fullness. And if that restoration requires a famine, then he, that's going to be the sandpaper. If that's what is going to be required, but, but a restoration of furniture also uh, requires that healing wax, that balm at the end that just smooths things over. And I love when he talks about grace for grace, that, um, that's how that work is going to be done in us. That's how our capacity is going to be increased and we will be transformed. And um, through our leaning into that process is how that gift of fullness will be given. And I think I would retranslate according to their works exactly how you just said it, that leaning into the process yeah. of just like being open and available. Nephi explains right here, he's just like saying to the people again, Listen, whenever God says to the dust of the earth, move, you can see this Mm -hmm. in verses 7 through 17. It's kind of fun to read through that he's just like, the dirt always obeys him. 
It always just does it. But for some reason, people don't. And God knows how to beautify a world. And God knows how to make things grow. And they all just listen to him, you know. Mm -hmm. And there's times of winter, and they listen to him in times of winter and are just ready for the spring. They lean into him, and, and they just and they just do it. And his advice, right before the verse you read, mm -hmm. um, we left this line, be like dirt. <laughs> you know, be like dirt. And just... When the when he blows this way, oh. let let it blow you too. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of resisting against it, because his advice in twenty three is, "Blessed are they who will repent and hearken unto the voice of the Lord their God, for these are they that shall be saved." And then twenty four kind of explains what saved means yeah, what, in his what's, what he's talking what he's about. talking about. And I that. love when we think about those words, "repent and hearken." Um, we talk about this all the time, that repent is a turning again to Christ. That, that blessed are those who just will turn again to Christ. That's what he's asking us to do. And um, that word hearken, um, my favorite way to remember it is with those Japanese characters that go all the way through and talk about um, hearkening requires your ears and your eyes and your mouth and your heart. And it's, it's all of you um, engaged in that. And it kind of is that leaning in to um, if this is going to help me grow and transform, if this is going to increase my capacity, then I will enter in. I will do it. I will do whatever it takes for, for me to be transformed, to be like him. And he knows we can't do that on our own. And that's why he extends grace to us because that enabling strength, that grace is what's going to allow us to reach that fullness that he has in mind for us. Yeah. And it's just crazy to like look back at those five sitting in their jail cell somewhere and thinking that it's a it's just as available for them mm -hmm. as it is for Nephi on his garden tower. Yeah. Right? And that's just I think a beautiful so part good. of this story. Yep. Okay, y'all. Such good chapters. Samuel, my guy Samuel, <laughs> is next week. So we'll see you then. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.